As we celebrate 10 years of serving North Carolina seniors, NCBAM is proud of what we've accomplished. Our call center has answered more than 25,000 calls, serving over 4,000 aging adults and meeting needs in all 100 counties across our state. NCBAM has mobilized church volunteers to build wheelchair ramps and grab bars in homes, offer transportation assistance and lawn maintenance, as well as prayer and friendly visits. Altogether, through NCBAM, church volunteers have spent 33,000 hours serving the frail and elderly in their communities. One day, the center received a call from Marjorie Bass in Hickory. Marjorie needed help with groceries. Patsy Lyons from Woodlawn Baptist Church picked her up and off they went. I was able to help go get groceries for her. That's when I first met her. That was one of the biggest needs that she had. Uh, it's really a blessing to be able to just be there for somebody and help them any way we can. And we kind of hit it off and I've just enjoyed being around her. It's a friendship with Patsy because she would come over and visit. But then I got to where I couldn't get around as much. So she would go and get groceries for me, bring them in the house, put them away, and just about everything. So I just continued to pray for her that God would open up her heart, and that she would accept him into her life. So one day I asked her, I said, Margie, would you like one of our pastors to come and speak with you? And she said, that would be great. So that's when Pastor Jerry came down to visit with her. So I just sat there and shared with her the gospel um, use the ABC's plan, which is what I normally use, uh, to communicate uh, that with her and uh, ask her if she would be interested in doing that, and she said yes. So we uh, prayed right there in her room and asked Jesus into her heart, and it was just amazing to see the transition in her, in her countenance just almost immediately uh, at how God changed her in that. and. Now she's studying and learning and growing, and it's exciting. Oh, it means all the world. It's completely different. Have a completely different outlook on everything. The fact that she's invited God into her heart uh, gives her a peace and a joy. I think the MCBAM organization is a great thing. They help a whole lot of people. Not just me. Sometimes when you get old, people seem to ignore you. So having an organization that is looking out for you means all the world. A simple act of love rippled through eternity. As we celebrate our 10th anniversary, we want to say thank you to North Carolina Baptist for volunteering, for praying and supporting this growing ministry. Call NCBAM at 877-506-2226 to join us in the journey. Happy Sunday morning to you, church family. The psalmist said, let us rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so we want to gather together uh, in prayer, in song, 
in scripture reading and in the message. And we want to praise the name of the Lord today. We thank you for joining us. We are celebrating Senior Adult Sunday uh, here at Pitts Baptist Church today. I don't want you to think this is a service exclusively for them. It will have application uh, to each and every one of us. In fact, I'm pretty excited about the message I will be uh, bringing you today. And I'll have more to say on that in just a moment. But thank you again for being a part of worship today. And I also want to thank you for... uh, emailing me and signing up for Praying on the Mountain this coming Tuesday, May the 5th. Let me encourage you to go on the Mud Creek Baptist website. Uh, Jonathan is also going to post a link to that website and what uh, they have to say about Praying on the Mountain. And I want to encourage you to uh, watch an eight-minute video by Dr. Greg Mathis on what Tuesday is going uh, to be about. Uh, We're praying Tuesday for spiritual awakening and revival in America and around the world. And to date, there are close to 200,000 people being signed up to pray specifically on May 5th for revival. And so please be a part of this. You don't need to sign up for anything. Uh, email me so I can include you in our count from Pitts Baptist. Just email me and say, count me in. That's all you need to do. And I will take care of registering us. If you'll email me by noon on tomorrow, Monday, I'll be happy to make sure uh, you get counted. And then just set aside time on Tuesday to be praying for revival in America and that we'll see a spiritual awakening, something that we have not seen in more than a hundred years. And so commit that day to wherever you are, uh, setting aside times through the day to pray for spiritual awakening in America. Uh, Watch that video in the link that we'll be sending to you and get signed up by emailing me saying, count me in. But again, thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Good morning, church. We're so glad that you are with us this morning and we're celebrating our super seniors this morning. And we just wanted to sing a couple of the great old hymns together. We're going to start with Because He Lives. We hope that all of you will sing with us. The words will be down at the bottom on the screen and uh, you sing with us as we sing together.
lives in each one of us if we are his children. And he leads us along the way. Here's another one. All the way my Savior leads me. Another one that talks about the wonderful promises we have in Christ. Without him, how lost I would be. But thankfully, he's right here with us.
close us out, we're looking forward to that time when we can all be together as the family of God and be able to worship together again. So let's close out our time together singing, I'm so glad I'm a part. church family and just want to uh, uh, express how much we miss you and uh, thank you for singing with us. Let me mention too that as a family together today is Joe's 90th birthday so uh, you help celebrate him and say happy birthday Joe. Thank we, you John. We're so glad <laughs> that you guys helped us out this morning. Good morning and welcome to Senior Adult Sunday at Pitts Baptist Church. I am delighted to be here today to be able to share with you some things about our senior adults and to encourage our, our adults to, uh, to just to be able to cope with what we're facing here with shelter in place. I would remind you that a few weeks ago we, we shared a verse. That verse was just simply, this is a day which the Lord hath made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. That's our opportunity today. I want, I want to give you praise for all of those who are out there who are coping with our shelter-in-place efforts. It's no small task, and we miss you. We really do. <clears throat> we want to rejoice, too, in the fact that many of you have gotten uh, acquainted with, have struggled through, and are continuing to learn how to use the social media, the, the streaming that, that we'll experience with this particular broadcast, and in fact, our small group studies that we're doing and using social media. I want you to continue to be faithful to where God has placed you. You may not be in an ideal situation, but if your needs are being met, then we can, we can deal with this thing. It's just a great time together. And I, I invite you to pay attention to that. I'd also suggest to you that We've got some events we'd like to have. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of missing friendly neighbors. Our senior adults are great cooks, and we have a regular monthly event that hopefully we'll get back to in just a short time. I want to look forward to you coming and participating here as an entire church body. How exciting is that going to be? And as we participate then in senior adult events, it'll, it'll be all kinds of opportunity for us. Uh, in June, Lord willing, We'll be having a uh, senior adult picnic. But we ask you again to, to just hang in there with us, to be a part of who we are, what we are, where we are, all doing all those things that we do as senior adults. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for being able to be here. I want to thank you, each one of you, for being able to share with us uh, the time via social media. And we look, we look forward to that time when we're all back together. So as senior adults, we rejoice. 
Dr. Willis is going to come forward to in just a moment and uh, share some scripture with you. Good morning. It is our joy to be here today and to welcome you to an opportunity of worshiping together by many special beings that we have today. I want to read from the scripture, the 90th Psalm, and the first 12 verses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And before the mountains were born or brought into the world, the everlasting from everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you people. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years, or 80 perhaps, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. They quickly pass, and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger and your wrath as great as the fear of your due, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. May God bless the reading of his scripture and his word. Joyce Ashball will now come to talk to us for a moment and bring us some joyful times of her presence. Good morning. Good morning. We are so delighted to be with you. We miss you. We trust you're well, but we have good news. Yes. God reigns, R-E-I-G-N-S, and the sun, S-O-N, still shines. Amen. Even though we miss you all greatly. Exactly. We're one day closer to being together That's again right. physically. Thankful that nothing can separate us from the unity we have in Christ. Yes. The scripture says that the gray hair is an, a crown of glory for the righteous, for the way of the righteous. And we're so thankful for that. We're thankful that even in our old age that God is with us. He tells us, even with our gray hair, I'll carry you. I've made you. I will bear you. I will deliver and carry you. How wonderful, exciting that is to know that God is with us. We come to celebrate our Lord, and we come to honor our beloved Christians as well, our adult seniors of Pitts Baptist Church. That's right. And we come to pray. Let's go to our Father. Abba, Father, it is with great joy we come to you. What a blessing. You are such a refuge. You're our strength. You're a present help in time of trouble. You're our refuge. We delight in you. You are holy. You are worthy to be praised and honored and glorified. And Father, even today as the world does not honor your name, we want to lift it up high. You are holy. 
You are righteous. You are good. We thank you for each precious, precious one within the sound of our voice, the adult seniors of Pitts Baptist Church and the Pitts Baptist Fellowship in general. We thank you for each one. We pray that they're safe. We pray that you would encompass, enfold them in your arms of love. For those that are lonely, we pray that you would be there all in all. For those, Father, that are hurting because of the loss of a loved one, we pray that you would comfort as only you can. We pray that, Father, we would rejoice with those who are rejoicing and we would weep with those who weep. We thank you that you bear one another's burdens, that you carry us, Father, when we have not the strength to carry ourselves. Again, be with our church family. We thank you that we're a day closer to being together physically. And we pray, Father, that you would be glorified. Each day you would put an opportunity in our path to share you, whether it be in our neighborhoods or a phone call. We just praise you. We thank you because you alone are worthy. We lift you up. We exalt you. We will bless you at all times. Your praise shall continually be in our mouth. Yes, Father. Again, we just want to thank you for blessing us in so many ways as we have been with our senior citizens for quite some time now. We know their names. We know what they're going through, their hurts, and their praises, Father. So we continue to ask you to watch over them and bless them so we can be still strong in your word and bless others. We thank you for our pastors that studies your word and guides us in the way that we need to go to be that light on the hill. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us during that time. We still have a lot of time, Father, to uh, honor you and glorify you. We know that you're in complete charge of our lives. So we want to tell you that we love you and we just thank you for our seniors. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
You know, several weeks ago when the stay-in-place orders first started and we were broadcasting our services through this uh, means, the first message I preached uh, was a message out of Psalm 90. Actually, that day I used three different psalms, and so we touched very briefly on Psalm 90. And Psalm 90's been on my heart lately, And what I want to do this morning is I want us to go through the entire psalm, not just touch on it like we did several weeks ago, but let's go through this psalm in its entirety. So find Psalm 90 in your copy of the Scripture. And I want to bring a message this morning entitled, Living in Light of Limitations. Living in Light of Limitations. I mentioned earlier... Uh, This is a message particularly for our senior adults, but as you're going to see, it is a message that has such powerful application to each and every one of us, even for our young people. And so I certainly hope you'll stay with me through the entirety of this message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. And God, we pray that you would speak to us through Psalm 90, that indeed that we would ask you to order our steps and to order each of our days that we might live wisely before you. God, we thank you for our senior adults and we do want to recognize them today. We're so grateful for their testimony and service among us. But Lord, help each of us to realize how important it is in our lives right now, regardless of our age, that we put you first and seek first your kingdom. Because days are passing quickly. Our lives uh, pass quickly. Lord, help us not to waste our lives but that our lives would be lived for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Polycarp was an early Christian martyr. In fact, he was one of the first Christian martyrs. He was born in 69 AD. 
and he died in either 155 or 156 A.D. He was the bishop of Smyrna. Polycarp is very significant because he was discipled by the apostle John, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Polycarp is one of the key apostolic fathers. Those are men who were leaders in the church right after the time of the apostles. Because Polycarp would not burn incense to the Roman emperor and say, Caesar is Lord, Polycarp was arrested. When he heard that the authorities were waiting for him, he calmly waited at home for their arrival. He didn't go into hiding the way some of his friends wanted him to do. In fact, he let the soldiers in when they showed up at his house, and he insisted that food be set before them. He asked for an hour to pray before they took him away, And he actually prayed about twice that long. And the onlookers were so moved by his prayers that some of them actually became believers. In an interview with one of the main authorities where he was taken, they appealed to him to burn incense to the Roman emperor so as to prevent himself from being burned alive. He went on to say, How then can I blaspheme my King and my Savior, the Lord Jesus? You threaten me with fire that burns for a season and after a little while is quenched. But you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked." He said, 80 and 6 years I've served Jesus and He's done me no wrong. And so either he was 86 at the time of his martyrdom or he had actually been a Christian for 86 years. Polycarp was burned at the stake and then a a spear was also thrust into him. He said as he was dying, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Reportedly also when he was commanded to say, away with the atheist. You see, the Roman authorities referred to Christians as atheists because they would not worship the emperor. But when they said to him, uh, say, away with the atheist, Polycarp looked at the crowd of Roman unbelievers and said, yes, indeed, away with the atheist, referring uh, to the Roman pagans. Polycarp was such a respected man even to unbelievers, that it said that many of them begged him to deny Christ and pledge allegiance to Caesar as Lord in order to spare his life. Nobody wanted to see him die. Obviously, he refused their pleadings. Folks, what we see in Polycarp is an aged man, a senior adult man whose life had made a tremendous impact for Jesus Christ. 
As I mentioned earlier, he said, 80 and 6 years, Christ has done me no wrong. Polycarp was an aged man who knew what it was like to walk by faith through all the ups and downs of life in a broken and lost world. The one constant that he saw was the faithfulness of God. When we look at Psalm 90, we see a very similar testimony. Moses has had many experiences with the Lord. He has seen the faithfulness of God constantly. He testifies to God's faithfulness here. Psalm 90 is the only psalm in the book of Psalms that is attributed to Moses, but it's not the only piece of poetry that Moses wrote. You see, there's there's actually two other songs of Moses in the Word of God. The first is in Exodus 15. Right after the children of Israel were delivered from Pharaoh and they've crossed the Red Sea while watching Pharaoh's army drowned. It's a song of praise. And the other is found in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And it's the song that Moses recited to the people before his ascension to Mount Nebo where he died. It's a reminder of Israel's past rebellion against God and of God's resulting judgments. Now between those two events in Moses' life, we have Psalm 90. It is a somber look at life in light of our human limitations. Now, there are three events in Moses' life that probably provide the historical background. First of all, there's the death of Moses' sister Miriam. Then there's the sin of Moses in striking the rock in the wilderness, which kept Moses from being able to enter the promised land. And then there's the death of Aaron, Moses' brother. Let's go back and cover these three individually for just a brief moment. The death of Miriam is reported very briefly in the Scripture. In fact, her death occupies just one verse. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 1. But this was such a huge loss to Moses. She had been the leading female character at the time of the Exodus. Now true, she was certainly not perfect. She led Aaron astray in the rebellion against Moses. And yet by the time of her death, she and Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua were the only survivors left of the people who had come out of Egypt. There had to have been a great deal of reminiscing between these five. And now Miriam is dead, leaving only four with Moses and Aaron soon to die themselves. When we look at the sin of Moses also, we can understand it without excusing it. Moses was almost 120 years old when it happened. For 38 years, he had been looking forward to getting to the promised land. Had it not been for the disobedience of the children of Israel, they would have already been in the promised land just shortly after leaving Egypt. But because of their stiff necks and their rebellion against God, God had turned them away from the promised land and they'd been wandering in the wilderness. Moses had to have been disgusted with them on some days. During the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness... 
He had been very patient with them, but then he struck the rock in anger, in, in anger and it was over for Moses as far as getting, uh, being able to enter the promised land. And then there was the death of Aaron. The people mourned Aaron's death for a whole month. What a loss that must have been to Moses because Aaron had worked side by side with Moses for all of those years. Now folks, those are the sad events behind Psalm 90. And yet the recognition of those events uh, does not mean that there is a bitter tone to this psalm. There's not. Moses simply recognizes in this psalm that, male, uh, that, that man is frail and sinful and he needs God. God is his only possible source of hope. The psalm provides us with one of the greatest contrasts in all of the Word of God between God and men. Now folks, on this day in our church family when we honor our senior saints, I think more than anyone else in terms of the sheer decades that they've seen, they can testify to the steadfast nature of God through all of life's experiences. I want you to write down with me first of all this morning the awesomeness of God. The awesomeness of God. How appropriate that Moses is the one writing these words that Psalm 90 opens with. Perhaps no one on earth to that point had had such a strong sense of the greatness and the majesty and power of God. Moses knew God intimately and the Bible says that Moses actually conversed with God face to face. Numbers chapter 12 verse 8 tells us that. Moses' confession of the awesomeness of God is that God is to be the dwelling place of man. Generation after generation has come and gone since man was first put on the earth and in each generation man was supposed to worship God and fellowship with God. When man did this, life was good. When man didn't, life turned sour. Folks, this ought to be a lesson to each and every one of us. We dwell on earth, but God is greater than the earth and so we are to dwell in Him. While we dwell upon the earth, we are to make sure that we dwell in God. We are to take refuge in God. That's the word for dwell here. We're not to take refuge in the world, but we're to take refuge in God. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then secondly about the awesomeness of God. Moses points out that God is greater than creation. He says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now I want you to remember, Moses was the human author, 
behind the writing of the creation accounts that we see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Moses knew that God was the one who put everything in place. The lesser is created by the greater. Creation depended upon God for its birth and for its very existence. Folks, we are not to look to creation itself in any kind of ultimate sense for dependence. We look to the God who created the universe and the God who is greater than the universe. Now thirdly, notice what Moses says about the awesomeness of God. God is eternal. Look again at verse 2. He says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God supersedes time. In fact, look at verse 4. He says, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. God supersedes time. He's eternal. And then Moses also points out that God judges man. In verse 3 he says, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. And then look down at verse 7. He says, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. God judges man. Hebrews chapter 9 in the New Testament in verses 27 and 28 says, It is appointed for man once to die and after this the judgment. God judges man. He returns us to dust. And then in our soul, and our spirit, we stand before God and, and we are called to give an account. Now, folks, I want you to think about all of these four statements here that Moses has written, each one of them a testimony to the awesomeness of God. You know, we need to ask ourselves, where do we place our trust? If you place your trust in anything or anyone other than God, you have completely missed the entire heartbeat of Scripture. Scripture at every point turns us to God. Scripture points us to the God in whom alone we are to trust. I think of Paul's speech at Athens. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 28. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says there. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. That is the consistent testimony of Scripture. God is 
is an awesome God. He is a powerful God. He's an omnipotent God. And He's eternal. And we can be so thankful that He is also a redeeming God. Now folks, I know that our seniors among us can certainly testify to that. I want you to think about some of the things that they have witnessed in their lives. If we could sit down and listen to some of their stories, they would probably testify of some of the hardships they've witnessed in their lifetimes. But they would also testify as to how God has provided for them and their families at every step of the way. You see, folks, those are lessons that sometimes take a lifetime to develop. Lessons like this, seeing the handiwork of God and how awesome He is and yet He's a redeeming God who looks after us. It takes a lifetime as we look back and we see God doing this in our lives. Let me ask you, during this time of isolation from one another, spend some time, some personal time, thanking God for His constant mercies and His constant provisions for you. Maybe think of some of the specific times in your life where you saw God working in your life in a way that was maybe a little bit more than what you typically would see. Now God's always at work, but maybe there are some times in your life that you saw Him working maybe a little more powerfully than than at other times in your life. Think about some of those times and give Him thanks. Now, this is a psalm of contrast. I mentioned a moment ago, contrast between God and men. We've looked at the awesomeness of God. Secondly, I want you to write down with me the weakness of man. And we see a number of statements here related to the weakness of man. First, weakness seen in the brevity of life. Beginning there in verse 5, Moses writes, Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Verse 5 is a picture of sudden destruction. That's how swiftly the life of man comes to an end. We're clicking along and then all of a sudden we're gone. We're carried away just as swiftly as if a current of water from a flood picked us up and carried us away. In verse 5, he says that they are like sleep. We're like a dream in a sense. We, we go to sleep. He's given us analogies here. We go to sleep, we dream, we wake up. It all happens in a single night. We lay down, go to sleep. Sometimes it seems like we have just closed our eyes and the alarm clock goes off the next morning. And we're like, is it time to get up already? And it is. That's how life is. This is another image of the brevity of life. And then in verse 6, he speaks about grass. Uh, we're like grass. In the morning, the grass flourishes, it, 
flourishes. The night dew had helped the grass and the flowers, the wildflowers, to have a little bit of uh, moisture. And so when the sun came out the next morning, they bloom or the grass is green. But by the end of the day, it's all dead. In the climate of Israel, they saw this all of the time. It was a desert climate. In the morning, there would be the the green grass and the wildflowers, but by the evening, those things had been scorched by the sun and had dried up. You know, James picks up on that image in the New Testament. Remember that? In James chapter 4, where he talks about the same thing. And he goes on to mention that life is but a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. All of these are images of the brevity of life. Folks, I guarantee you that our seniors could tell you, even those who are 85 or 90 years of age, they could tell you at how amazed they are at how quickly their lives have gone by. I've spoken to them about these matters. Think about how quickly your life is going by. Brothers and sisters, don't waste your life. You know, Jonathan Edwards was one of the greatest pastors America has ever seen. He was a pastor, he was a scholar, and he was a theologian. While he was a young man, Edwards made some resolutions. One of his resolutions was that he would capture every single moment for the sake of Christ. And he would burn his life out for the sake of the gospel. Why not make a similar resolution to that in your life? Don't get to the end of your life with regrets. And don't say, you know, one of these days I'm going to get around all of that. It happens so quickly. Resolve right now before you live another day that you're going to commit all of your ways to the Lord and you're going to commit your steps to Christ. Second thing about the weakness of man. He, he points out in verses 7 and 8, weakness is seen in the sinfulness of life. Look at verses 7 and 8. He talks about e- even, you know, even secret sins are exposed in the searching light of God's holiness. Moses connects the sinfulness of life with the brevity of life. Man dies because man sins. The wages of sin is death. Yes, we might be forgiven and redeemed, but we still die. Moses might have been thinking about Genesis chapter 3, what God had said to Adam after Adam sinned. God had said, because of that, Adam, you're going to die. Human weakness is seen in that, that we die. A third statement about human weakness. Weakness is seen 
in the limitation of life. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. God has limited human life because of sin. Lifespans were drastically cut down even in the book of Genesis. Could you imagine somebody living in the sin like we see today and their life going on for five or six hundred years? A limited life of only 70 or 80 years means what? It means that we are confronted with our own mortality. Again, we live 80 years, maybe. He says 70, maybe 80 if we're strong enough to. But we all, each and every one of us, we have to be confronted with our own mortality. And then the last statement he says here about the weakness of man is weakness seen in the labor of life. There in verse 10. Talking about work and, and how life is, life is hard. Again, I think of God's curse on Adam when he said to Adam... By the sweat of your brow now, you're going to have to tend to the earth. Four statements here about the weakness of man. Man contrasted to the awesomeness of God. You know, this is a psalm that has its own applications built into it. When you think about the awesomeness of God and the weakness of man, you might ask, okay, you know... I know that, but what am I to do about it? And so thirdly, I want you to notice what Moses points out. He lists out the petitions of the saints from verses 12 to 17. The uh, the ungodly may not be thinking much at all about what Moses has been saying. In fact, they probably don't. They just seem to live as though they're going to live on forever. And their death catches them maybe unaware. But look at what the saints pray. List out all of these petitions of the saints. In verse 12, there's the first one. Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might have a heart of wisdom. I want you to think about that. He doesn't say, teach us to number our decades or our years or even our months, but Number, help us to number our days. Folks, today is all you and I know that we have. And who knows? Some among us may not even have the rest of this day. We're to make sure that we're living every single day of our lives under the Lordship of Christ. We are to redeem the time, as Paul said to the Ephesians. Remember his words there in Ephesians 5? Redeem the time, make the most of your opportunities because the days are evil. Moses is saying here, Lord, help us to see that life is short and that judgment is soon coming. 
And so seeing all of that, help us to live our lives more wisely so that we will be ready to meet you perhaps soon. And when we meet you, we'll be unashamed. We'll be able to give an account of our lives that we won't be ashamed of. Folks, think about that. Live your life today as though any moment now you might be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't say that to depress anybody, but just to point out to each and every one of us how serious our moments and the moments of our lives really are. I think older adults probably live with this realization more than any of us. They realize that any day they could be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, this is so important because how we live now under the Lordship of Christ determines how we will die then. You remember how confident the Apostle Paul was able to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, where he spoke there to Timothy that, uh, and, and said, you know, I have fought the good fight, I have run my course, and I have kept the faith. Now folks, that's living wisely. That's living wisely. Well, a second petition of the saints here. God, have compassion on us. Look at verse 13. Have compassion on us. God, remember our weaknesses. Come to us in a fresh way. Return to us. Because unless you do, there's no hope. He's asking God to have compassion on us in light of our sin and our limitations. In other words, love us anyway, despite everything in us that might cause you to walk away from us. Folks, aren't you grateful that God loves us despite our sin? I think of what Paul says in Romans 5. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A third petition here. Satisfy us with your mercy, he points out in verse 14. We need to be satisfied in the Lord and with the Lord. If you think about it, God is really all we have when you, when you really get down to it. Everything else about life can be gone in a heartbeat. This seems to me to be a petition for contentment. We need to be content in the Lord. It reminds me of what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We need to be content with what we have. We came naked into the world. We leave the same way. You know, there are no hearses pulling U-Hauls in behind them. And so we need to be content in the Lord. Notice that he says here also, satisfy us in the morning. I think the significance in that is this. If we can start the day with the Lord, it's going to help set the tone for the entire day. From right off the bat each morning, 
if our hearts and our minds are in God's Word and in prayer and we are satisfied in God, that's going to have a way, going to have a day of setting the whole entire day and night in perspective, the perspective that we ought to have. Or there may be a bit of an analogy going on here. When you compare the, the second line of the verse with the first line of the verse where he says satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days morning may be an analogy for the youthfulness of life just like morning is the first part of the day. And so he may be asking, help us while we are young to find satisfaction in the Lord so that all of the rest of our days on earth will be governed by that. A fourth petition of the saints, verse 15 Bear our burdens and give us joy. Look at verse 15. He says, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen trouble. He's essentially saying, Lord, balance life out. Don't let it all be trials. Give us some joy in life. Have you ever met anybody who's gone from one loss to the next in life, one hardship to the next, they're beat down in life. I knew a senior adult lady one time who had, who had experienced a great deal of hardship and loss in her life. She had gone from one hardship to the next. It had made her a bit cynical at times. Folks, this is a petition that the Lord will balance life out a bit. God, give us some joy. Give us some victories. Give us some good times to go along with the bad. You know, we need both joy and hardship, don't we? Oh, we don't want hardship, but we have to admit we grow through it. But we also need some joy and laughter. And so I think in verse 15, Moses is asking God to to allow us to have a little balance in our lives. A fifth petition, verse 16, help us to see your hand at work in the world. He says, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Folks, we need our eyes opened to seeing God's work around us. You know, some people go through life and they don't see God's handiwork. They're blind to it. They can't seem to appreciate anything that God has done or is doing. And so Moses is asking God to open our eyes. God's at work in a sunrise. God's at work when a marriage is healed. God is at work when someone has a job provided for them after they've lost their job. God's at work in all of these things. James 1.17 reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. You know, it's sad because some people just can't seem to see that. Pray that God will help you to see His activity, His work 
all around you. The next petition, verse 17, God, let your favor shine upon us. Lately, I've been reading some in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and also Daniel, and I noticed something. In all of those books, the main character was able to accomplish what they accomplished in life because God's hand was on them. In other words, God's favor was on them. Folks, that's the key to success in life, that God's hand will be on you. Without God breathing His favor onto what we do day in and day out, our work won't really have any lasting value to it. Verse 17, another petition that he points out, give us success in our work. If life is short, then our life's work needs to be right in God's sight. And it needs to also bring some sense of of satisfaction uh, to us. Hopefully no one is miserable in their work. I don't think that's what God wants. His work in creation was, was good and it brought joy to Him. Likewise, our work needs to bring some satisfaction in us. So all of these petitions here are the petitions Moses is making in light of the awesomeness of God being contrasted with the weakness of man. Now, let me close by giving you a couple of lessons. Lesson number one, God is great. God deserves to be my dwelling place, my resting place, and yours. He's God, we're not. Is He he your refuge? Is He the one to whom you run? I want you to remember, if He created everything, if He created this universe, He can certainly take care of your life and my life. A second lesson. Your life is brief. What are you living for? You and I have such a short amount of time to make an impact. Is there service you need to be doing for the Lord? Do it quickly. Is there someone you're planning to share the good news of Christ with? You need to do it quickly. Redeem the time. Time is short. A third lesson. Be content with God and with what God gives you to do. Fourthly, enjoy the work He gives you to do. Because I want you to remember something. You're trading a day of your life for what God's given you to do. Fifth, if you're miserable doing what you're doing, do you need to ask God to show you something else to do so that you can glorify God through your work? And then lastly, let me say to each of us, myself included, finish well. We need to finish well. I'm so grateful for the seniors that that we have who, 
who are modeling this. Many of our seniors modeling this. They're continuing to grow in their faith and be examples for us. And if their life ended today, I think they could honestly say, God, what you gave me to do, I've done. They're finishing well. Let me appeal to you and also to myself that we would live our lives so we would all finish well and be able to say, you know what? I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I've kept the faith. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for our senior saints. They've been such a wonderful testimony to us. I pray your peace and comfort and strength upon each of them. And God, I know that during these days of isolation, many of them are probably particularly fearful. Lord, give them the assurance each and every day through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that you're with them. Lord, let them know how much you love them. Continue your good work in them. And God, in each of us, thank you for loving us. God, give us joy and satisfaction in life. Give us us some, some victories to go along with some of the trials we experience in life. Lord, I pray for that one right now who needs to come to faith in Christ. They've already wasted too many days of of their life. And before another day passes, may they bow their head and ask the Lord Jesus into their heart to cleanse them of their sins and from this moment forward to be their Lord and their Savior. We pray all of these things In Jesus' mighty and strong name, amen. God bless you. Don't forget to sign up for Tuesday, Praying on the Mountain. Watch that eight-minute video from Dr. Greg Mathis. Find out a little bit more about what the day will be about. Email me, just simply saying, Scott, count me in and I'll get you registered And then find quiet places to pray throughout the day on Tuesday and pray that God would send a spiritual awakening to America and to the world.